Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... wants them to experience the grace of God's giving to them, of Christ's service to them and to us on the cross, to fuel their joy of helping others, to fuel their grace of giving and service. Because the Apostle Paul knows this, the joy of experiencing the grace of God and extending it to others is better than anything money can buy. Do you consider yourself to be a generous person? If not, why not? Today, Pastor Jim explains how to see the generosity of God and how it will change you forever and help you to love and be generous. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with part three of his message entitled, Extravagant Generosity. These people were poor. How is it possible that they could do this. Well, verse 5 gives us the key. It says, but first they gave themselves to the Lord. That's the key to generosity, is to experience the grace of God and then give yourself to the Lord. And it says, and then to us by the will of God. It's almost like they wholeheartedly gave themselves to the Lord. They said, Lord, here we are. We know that you, Jesus on the cross, gave all of yourself to us. Here is all of us. We're giving ourselves to you. And it almost seems like the rest of the Christian life began to fall into place for the Macedonian church. I mean, you read Philippians and Thessalonians, and they are just these really, a lot is happening, encouragement. Thessalonica, they're planting churches on their own. They didn't even wait for the Apostle Paul to come back. And Corinth, two scathing letters where God's people had just forgotten about God. See, these other churches, their dedication to the Lord and the grace of God given to them was then expressed in a tangible response to the Lord and the Lord's mission. What they gave was an expression of what was most important to them, but first they gave themselves to the Lord. You see, this is why it's so important to realize that the Christian life is so far beyond a moment in time where you said, well, I prayed with somebody, invited Jesus into my heart, and then I went to go live like the devil until I got to heaven, and Jesus said, okay, you're in because you prayed that prayer. God wants so much more for us. He wants us to experience his love and his grace and his provisions in so many different ways. Notice here the progression. It is very important. Grace, joy, generosity. They experience the grace of God. And thinking about the grace of God, pondering the grace of God, brought great joy to their souls. And when joy came to their souls, they began to overflow with generosity. Now, again, let's talk about the prosperity guys. Do most of you know Pastor Jim does not like those guys? They don't like those guys. They should learn how to read the Bible, not just quote a sentence here and there. And if some of you have been hoodwinked by them, I'm sorry. What do they do? They say, well, you give to get. If you do this, God owes you. God owes you and I nothing. He will be no man's debtor. 
Now, you say, well, that's just a different way of looking at things. That stuff only popped up about 60 or 70 years ago, really. It was around in ancient Greece. Did you know that? You know what the name for it was? Paganism. Paganism. Give to the God, whatever your God of choice is, and he owes you. That is not Christianity. Christianity is God gave to us, and we owe him. And what does he want? He wants our hearts. He wants us to give ourselves to him. Over the years, as you are a pastor and a Christian, and you don't have to be a pastor, but over the years, I've really started to notice this in people. When giving and service is an expression of the cross of Jesus Christ, when giving and service is an expression of people internalizing what Jesus did for them, the fire burns. And it burns, and it burns, and it burns. And people are like, oh, they're just very determined, or they're, they're relentless, or they just keep going and going. No, 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 no. They are continually realizing how much they have been forgiven of and often spend much of their time at the foot of the cross realizing the grace of God that has been given to them and God lights a fire in their soul. Now, if your giving and your service is not an expression of that, be careful of what has become known as Christian burnout. People burned out from, from saying, well, you know, it's just so hard trying to make money to give to the kingdom of God. And you're like, well, how much do you give? Like, well, you know, $3 a week. Now, to some people, $3 is a lot of money. But to other people, it's absolutely nothing. I mean, you drop twice that at Starbucks with your designer drink that you get. Other people, they serve once or twice a month in their church, maybe every week, I don't know, a couple few hours a month, and they're saying they're burning out. Why are they burning out? It's not that they're burning out. It's the fire in the soul is burning out. Again, there are people, you're sick, different story. There's some large problems, let me, different story. We're talking in generalities here. When Jesus Christ has a person's heart, when Jesus really is the Lord, that will serve as the cornerstone of the cross-centered life. And if a church really wants to make a difference in a community, it will take a group of people, not just a couple pastors or a couple leaders, it will take a group of people that their generosity comes from a devotion to Jesus Christ. People willing to lay aside some of their comforts in their life, maybe some of their finances, some of the things that they wanted to get, or maybe some of their time or something like that. Nothing wrong with buying nice things, nothing wrong with taking a vacation, that's not what I'm saying. But people who in a lot of different ways don't waste a lot of time and don't waste a lot of money because they realize that those are gifts from God, that's grace from God that he wants to spend other ways. Pastors often call people to open up their checkbooks. Extravagant generosity does not call for that. Extravagant generosity calls for people and comes from people who open their hearts to the Lord. Well, that was number one. Number two and three will be quicker. Number two, a challenge to extravagant generosity. Here comes the challenge in our jump-off verse, verse 6. So we urge Titus, that's the Apostle Paul's traveling companion. He went with them when that collection started in Corinth, and now he's going to go back and see if they can get them going again. He's carrying this letter that was in between. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. 
So it's not money, it's grace. Here's our verse. But as you abound in everything. So he begins to tell them some of the things that he thinks they're doing well. In faith, you guys are doing well in faith, he's saying. In speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. See that you abound. Other versions say, see that you overflow in this grace also. So he's listing a bunch of things, and he's saying, listen, you guys, when it comes to faith, you guys are great. When it comes to speech, talking, and you know, knowledge, diligence, serving the Lord, you guys are you're doing well. You're doing well. But in terms of generosity, this is an area where you need to grow. This is an area where you need to be part of the grace of God here. Look what he says, verse 8. Interesting. He says, I speak not by commandment. He says, I'm not ordering you to do this. This is not the Ten Commandments, not the 11th commandment. You know, thou shalt give money. That's not it. Anybody know what the 11th commandment is? Well, in my generation, it was thou shalt not pay retail. <laughs> in this generation, it's thou shalt not discriminate. <laughs> okay? So, no, no, he doesn't do that. He says, I speak not by commandment, but look at this. But I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Another version says, I'm comparing your love with the diligence of others. With who? The Macedonian churches up north. So here he challenges the Corinthian church to abound, to overflow in the grace of generosity. Very important point right here. Notice we are not passive. This is not some passive thing where we're just, you know, sitting in front of the checkbook and going, oh Lord, if you want me to give money, just open it up to the next available check. That's not that. Now, this is an active thing. He's saying, I want you to be active in this, participate in this grace. Now, why doesn't he just command it? I mean, he could. He could say, hey, I'm the Apostle Paul, duh. <laughs> you have to do what I say. He doesn't do it at all. Why? Because this is why I, there's a big difference between guilt preaching and conviction preaching. Guilt is to make you feel bad about yourself. Conviction is to help you see that this is some, an area where God wants you to take the next step in your Christian walk because God wants you to invite you into greater intimacy. He knows that guilting them and ordering them, it might work for the first week or two, but it's not going to work after that. He says this, he doesn't command them because he wants their generosity to be an outflow of the love of God. He wants their generosity to be an outflow of the conscious thinking of the cross of Christ, of what God has done for them, so they're like, oh, of course I'm going to be generous. He wants them to experience the grace of God's giving to them, of Christ's service to them and to us on the cross, to fuel their joy of helping others, to fuel their grace of giving and service. Because the Apostle Paul knows this, the joy of of experiencing the grace of God and extending it to others is better than anything money can buy. Last Sunday, I went to a funeral, and um, one of the elders of the church that I came from walked up to me, and he said to me, um, I listen to you on the radio every day. He lives down where the bridge is, and we're on the bridge. By the grace of God, our radio ministry, and notice I said ours, not mine. We're on like 35 stations now. 
And he said, I listen to you every day. He said, I absolutely love it. I had no idea when you were here that you were like that. I said, I don't even think you thought I was a Christian, did you? <laughs> and he said, can I ask you a serious question? And I said, sure, go ahead. I thought, oh, okay, here we go. And he said, what took you so long to become a pastor? And then he said, and what took you so long to be on the radio? I don't even know what I told him, to be honest with you, but I had the American dream. Great wife, great kids, kicking business. But this thing gnawed at me and gnawed at me and gnawed at me for years. And I kept suppressing it. And I kept suppressing it. And I've come to learn that what I get to do now is better than anything money can buy. I talk to people and they'll say, you know, man, preparing two plus messages a week, it must be a grind. Some people do one, they're like, oh, I'm so stressed out. And I'm like, yeah. And then they say to me, do you get stressed out? And I'm like, you don't want to hear the answer. I don't. I don't. I think of all that I get to learn. And then I think of you guys. And I want God's grace to abound to you. And my soul just lights on fire. And it just keeps going. And it just keeps going. He said in verse 8, to them, this is the testing of the sincerity of their love. Now remember, he called them brethren. He called them bros, right? That's what you call Christian guys. So he doesn't, I don't think he questions their faith. I think what he does is he brings their faith and trust into the light. One of the things that I've tried to do for you guys here is, is to constantly call attention to Jesus Christ's perfect life. Without Jesus Christ's perfect life, he could never be the perfect savior. You read old dead theologians, and they talked about it a lot. You, most of what you're out today is what God can do for you and how to be happy. Bunch of rubbish, if you ask me, but anyway. So what was his perfect life? Well, I think a lot of us people think that, you know, Jesus said, you know, I only do what the Father tells me. People go, well, he was obedient. The miracles, okay, nobody could really do that unless he, you know, had the power of the Holy Spirit. Other people would say, well, you know, he always did the right thing. Okay, good. And he didn't sin. Okay, that's good. But I have been very intrigued by the life of Jesus. When he gets baptized and the voice from heaven just sounds out, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So up until that point, no miracles, no big interactions with people. We know a little bit about him when he's 12 and he's about his father's business. So what about that perfection was so pleasing to God? Jesus lived, and this is the hard part. This is the hard part. And it's something that we have to really think about. Jesus Christ lived in perfect faith and trust with his heavenly Father 24-7. 24-7. I don't care how good a person anybody says they are. Has anyone, anyone ever lived in perfect faith and trust to God 24-7? And so here I think he's bringing to light that very thing, faith and trust. For many in the Corinthian church, generosity didn't seem to be part of their lives. 
and they needed to take that next step. Studies show that 50% of everybody who declares themselves to be a Christian in the United States of America gives nothing to their church. Nothing to their church. Now, I could sit here and make you feel guilty about it. Do you really love God? Are you really going to heaven? Are you really sure you love Jesus as much as you say you do? But the reality is this. Do you want to miss out on grace? Do you really want to miss out on the grace of God given to you to share with others? Do you want to miss out on the grace of God? Do you want to miss out on being part of it? I'm part of what God is doing, even if it's just a little bit. And please don't think, oh, no, the money's low. We're doing great. We're doing fine. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. I've told you guys many times before, I don't need money for this job. On the other hand, some days I'm like, you couldn't give me $10 million to do it. <laughs> and so that was the next critical step. Maybe for some of you here, that's the next critical step. Maybe that's it. There's always a next step for all of us. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the next critical step. Do you know what the next critical step is in your Christian walk? I love people with physical infirmities. But now the Lord is teaching me to appreciate them in a way I didn't before. For some, this generosity thing was a challenge for the Corinthians. You made a commitment, finish it. Finish it. See, some of you might be spurred on to be generous today, whether it's here or somewhere else, whatever. But will it be this way in a month? In six months? In a year? For others, they were being challenged to respond to see what they have been given. For all of us, the next step is always an invitation to intimacy with God. That to do this thing, this thing that might seem insignificant to the rest of the world, it might seem insignificant to heaven, but this next thing is going to contribute to your intimacy with God. So that's the challenge. Number three, from an expression of extravagant generosity to a challenge to extravagant generosity, number three, to the motivation of extravagant generosity. Verse nine. Verse 9 is one of the greatest verses in the New Testament. And so I reserve the right to come back to verse 9. But it serves our purpose here today as the motivation to generosity. I'm going to read it twice. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, through his poverty might become rich that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I'm going to read it again. For you know. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know. That's part of what being a follower of Jesus is. You know. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you can know. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, where was he rich? In heaven. He had it all. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for whose sake? My sake. 
he became poor. What's that? He became a human being. Now, here's the thing. You could take all the wealth of the planet Earth and put it together. And that wouldn't make you even a pauper in heaven. <laughs> so it's not like, well, he could have come here and been a king and had everything. No, no, not at all. No, for our sakes, he became poor. He came to Earth that you and you and you and you and you and all of you and me that who? Everybody go, me. So you got to read the Bible like this, loved ones, when you're reading to yourself. you got to read this. you got to say, yet for my sake he became poor. For my sake. That me, through his poverty, that's what? The cross, when it seemed like he lost everything, might become rich. So you're looking at the cross. You're seeing how Jesus becomes poor. It was our sin, your sin, my sin, internalize it, saying my sin put him on the tree, my sin put him on the cross, and he is up on that cross losing everything so I can get everything. And do that every day of your life and see how hard it is to be selfish. It's very hard to be selfish when you see that. When God's grace is poured out on your soul for seeing what Jesus did for you. And here's the gospel. If you turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, you are an adopted son of the king. Notice how he frames it. You know you became rich. You know that you are an heir to heaven. And you might know it, but it's not real until the treasures of heaven are seen as more valuable than the treasures of earth. It's also not real until Jesus Christ becomes the treasure of your heart, until you give yourself and your heart to him. Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven, was voluntarily generous with his own life. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. And since Jesus was generous voluntarily in giving his life, being voluntarily generous is critical to being like Jesus. Extravagant generosity is not just a good thing. It's a divine thing. It is a grace-motivated act of faith and trust. The good news of the gospel is that God became a man and died on the cross for your sins. Jesus' mission was God's response to the needs of sinners for the forgiveness of sins. And so make a daily habit of coming to the cross, seeing the generosity of God, and watch how it changes you. Following Jesus' path of discipleship is part of being on the path of following a radical, extravagantly generous Savior. The cross-centered life is first and foremost a God-centered life and an others-centered life. It is not, and it will never be, a self-centered life. The raging Cajun said, it's the economy, stupid. I don't think so. It's grace. It's always been about grace, and it will always be about grace. 
It's about the extravagant generosity of God seen in sending his son to die on the cross for our sins so all who believe can experience the Lord's extravagant generosity not only in heaven but also here on earth. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.